I'm Jared Hanselman with South Texas Large Animal Mobile Vet Service in Victoria, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it's no secret that we've got a lot of cattle in Texas feedlots thanks to the lack of forage across the state. That was confirmed in the most recent Cattle on Feed report. We'll check those numbers coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Farmers across Texas are being summoned to come to the defense of the herbicide known as atrazine. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The La Nina pattern continues into August and quite possibly through the end of 2022 into the winter months. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the hot and dry forecast from the National Weather Service on Texas Ag Today. Cotton harvest is underway in the coastal bend. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The number of cattle in Texas feedlots is up 3% from this same month last year, according to the most recent Cattle on Feed report. Cattle and calves in Texas feedlots now total 2.86 million head. Placements were up also with 390,000 head placed into the feedlots. That's an increase of 3%. Marketings were also up with Texas feedlots marketing 460,000 head during June. That's up 2% from a year ago. USDA announced new investments in rural broadband projects last week in 11 states, including Texas. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says the USDA's ReConnect program is designed to bring broadband internet to underserved communities. $401 million is being announced today that includes 20 projects in 11 states. All told, we expect about 31,000 families and businesses in these 11 states to benefit from this investment. South Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar welcomed the announcement, saying we are way behind on developing rural broadband. You know, we're getting there. We still need a lot more work, especially in the rural areas. That's why we've added millions of dollars uh, uh, for the program called eConnect. That is important because we got to make sure it's not only for small businesses in the rural areas, for our farmers, our ranchers, but our uh, school districts that we have. Cuellar says the pandemic highlighted the need for broadband access in rural areas of Texas. The latest drought monitor is out, and it continues to look ugly for Texas, with practically the entire state in some form of drought. 
areas of the northern panhandle did get some rain over the last few days, but we are so far behind on moisture that it's going to take a lot to get caught up. Russell Baining farms south of San Antonio. He says he got a rain a few weeks ago, but it was too little too late. Three weeks ago yesterday, we had an inch and a quarter. Now tell me, that's a nice rain. That doubled our rainfall since November the 1st. And I'm not exaggerating. We'd had about an inch and a quarter since November 1st. And then three weeks ago, we got another inch and a quarter. And so we've had two and a half inches since November the 1st. I've been doing this 40 plus years and I can't remember it being quite that dry ever. And, and I remember some dry years. Baining says the only grass he's been able to grow this entire summer is in some irrigated coastal fields. Farmers across Texas are being asked to come to the defense of atrazine. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers is among agriculture leaders calling on farmers to rally behind atrazine. It's being reviewed again. This is something that's happened. Uh, I know for the past 20 years we've continually had a review of atrazine. That's one of our crop protection chemicals that's used for weed control. The most widely used one in the U.S. for that matter, not just on corn, but on some other crops. EPA is not proposing an outright ban on atrazine, but is contemplating restrictions that Gibson says go too far. They're looking at lowering the total amount that can be used. They're looking at all of the ramifications of practices you do on your farm in order to allow you to use atrazine. It's a pretty complicated piece they're coming with, and we need that to be solved. And Gibson says the effort to stop it relies upon farmers getting involved in a comment period that is currently open. We really need every grower out there to make comments back to EPA. It'll be a simple process to do. We'll have links on our website. Texas Corn Producers' website is texascorn.org. A lot of information available there about the atrazine situation. Once again, that's texascorn.org. The comment period is scheduled to end on September 6th. Now, switching gears here to tell you about an upcoming Texas A&M AgriLife event. On August 9th, an AgriLife Beef Cattle Conference is taking place at the Gray County Annex in Pampa. Some of the topics to be covered are the outlook for cattle markets, fly control, and advice on calving. The event costs $10 and includes a lunch. Contact the Gray County Extension Office for more information and to register. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The relentless heat continues. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Fort Worth meteorologist about the hot forecast for August. Farmers, ranchers, rural and urban residents of Texas continue to endure the tremendously hot temperatures this summer. Now we're into August and National Weather Service meteorologist in charge Tom Bradshaw joins us from Fort Worth. And Tom, what's the forecast showing for August? Well, good to be with you again, Tom, and I wish I had better news. As you mentioned, we've been enduring day after day of temperatures in excess of 100 degrees across much of Texas. Unfortunately, rainfall has not kept pace at all. We're in a uh, drought is really, really strengthening its grip across the Lone Star State. We're several inches below normal in terms of the amount of rainfall that fell across Texas during the month of July. 
July. August does not look any better. We're still forecasting continued temperatures above normal, both during the afternoons and also at night. Unfortunately, the drought is also going to continue. We're expecting below normal rainfall amounts across the state of Texas. August is normally a very dry month, and it's certainly going to be that case during this upcoming uh, month of August. So we're seeing some significant issues on the drought monitor side, and that's probably going to just get exacerbated as we go forward into the month of August. We've been dealing with this La Nina pattern for at least a couple of years. Long-term models are suggesting that this pattern is actually going to persist through at least the end of the year and the wintertime. With a La Nina pattern, we have waters that are cooler than normal across the equatorial Pacific. And what that means for the state of Texas, because of the situation at the surface in the Pacific, that tends to generate upper-level patterns of high pressure across the southern United States. Storm systems tend to shy away from the southern U.S. They tend to shy away from the state of Texas during La Nina periods. And unfortunately, this is a pattern that looks like it's going to sustain itself for at least the next several months across uh, the southern United States. That is a National Weather Service meteorologist, Tom Bradshaw, joining us from Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest is underway in the Texas Coastal Bend. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. The Corpus Christi National Weather Service office now indicates that rainfall is a minus 10 inches for the first seven months of 22. Of course, that had a negative impact on our dryland cotton crop. It matured a few weeks earlier than normal. That means that harvest is starting up a bit earlier. Machines are in the field on some of those earlier planted cotton crops. But when you look at things, we're really lucky to have much of a crop at all here in the coastal bend. And I guess we can thank those heavy clay soils and a few showers that hit on the western side of the coastal bend didn't have those showers. They had a lot of lost acreage as much as 40 to 50 percent of the planted acres here in the coastal bend failed to emerge or establish a stand and 99 percent of the coastal bend production is dry land no irrigation capabilities to speak of so the rest of the crop that remains is is roughly about 50 percent of the crop and that 50 percent that remains has about half the normal yield So many experts are expecting yields to range between 650 and 700 pounds of lint this year. That means it's a smaller crop for our jenners to process and ultimately a lower crop, fewer pounds for farmers to sell. And it also impacts the availability of the cottonseed. The whole cottonseed is a second product of our cotton industry that is in high demand to be used for plant production protein-based ingredients for beef cattle, feed, and deer management, as well as the dairy industry using it in part of their rations. So cottonseed values are certain to be up with lower pounds of cottonseed available, fewer gins with high cottonseed production this year, as well as lower lint, all negatively affecting some of the money that is made off of our cotton crop traditionally here in the coastal bend. We'd like to remind folks that the 68th annual A&M Beef Cattle Short course will be taking place August 1st through the 3rd in College Station. One of the big topics is feeding those beef cattle a ration to sustain the cow herd during the drought. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Researchers in Texas are studying a mysterious group of mako sharks off the coast of Port Aransas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
and cooling horses after riding is very important in this summer heat. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Take the path less traveled and learn about the diversity of agriculture in the Lone Star State. It's a little education and a whole lot of fun. Texas farmers and ranchers between the ages of 18 and 35 can join the Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Fall Tour, September 9th through the 11th in Amarillo, Texas. Learn about the diversity of Texas agriculture in the Amarillo area. Develop a network with other young producers across the state. Fellowship with one another and make new friends. Registration is open now. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org to register. The Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Fall Tour. The registration deadline is August 4th. Reserve your spot today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Cooling horses after riding is very important in this summer heat. Dr. Bob Judd says that's especially true in triple-digit temperatures. Various techniques have been used to cool horses when their body temperatures rise after exercise in the Texas heat, and one method is spraying them off with cool water. However, Dr. Michael Lindinger from Nutraceutical Alliance indicates in the horse publication that ensuring adequate hydration before a workout is the best method to minimize heat stress and dehydration. Horses regulate their internal body temperature using assorted mechanisms, one of which is the hypothalamus in the brain senses heat on the skin and in the blood and sends out signals to dilate blood vessels in the skin, which stimulates sweat production. During exercise, the heated blood flows to the skin and heat can be released, but most cooling occurs due to evaporation of sweat. For cooling to occur, it requires the horse to be well hydrated as they will sweat more and have increased blood flow to move the heated blood to the skin. So allowing your horse to drink before, during, and after exercise is important for cooling. And adding electrolytes is also helpful. Electrolytes aid in retaining water in the horse's body. Traveling is stressful and can cause horses to overheat, so drinking before hauling is important. Dr. David Marlin indicates in the Horse and Hound publication that although it is believed by many that scraping water off a horse is required to increase cooling, this is a myth, as he has done extensive research and found that it is not necessary to remove water with a scraper from the skin. Continually applying more cool water to the skin is better than removing water by scraping. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Researchers in Texas are studying a mysterious group of mako sharks off the coast of Port Aransas. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Scientists from Texas were recently featured on the Discovery Channel during Shark Week studying a mysterious group of mako sharks that reside in the waters off the coast of Port Aransas. Dr. Kesley Banks, an assistant research scientist for the Heart Research Institute for Gulf of Mexico Studies, joins us for more on their research on these maverick makos that was featured in the show Monster Mako Under the Rig. 
up until the last few years, there's been a thought that Mako's occurred seasonally in the Gulf of Mexico. And it turns out that that's not the case. They're actually here all year round. And so our research the last few years has focused on determining what types of habitat those Makos need and how they're using that habitat. That's one reason Monster Mako under the rig is so timely is it's focusing on that research already and putting it before, you know, millions of people. HRI is studying the maverick makos to find out what sets them apart from other mako sharks. They do this by tracking the makos and taking samples for analysis. Dr. Greg Stuns, director for the Center for Sport Fish Science and Conservation, also appeared on the show. He said appearing in these types of shows is a great opportunity to teach children and adults about why healthy oceans are essential to the well-being of people and the planet. Dr. Banks says that sharks are an important part of that. So sharks are like the wolves of the ocean. They help keep our oceans in balance. We'll have more with Dr. Cassley Banks on how sharks keep our oceans in balance on our next show. Until then, you can catch Monster Mako under the rig on Discovery+. Plus. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market closed higher on Monday while grains and cotton finished lower. We'll check out all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Take the path less traveled and learn about the diversity of agriculture in the Lone Star State. It's a little education and a whole lot of fun. Texas farmers and ranchers between the ages of 18 and 35 can join the Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Fall Tour, September 9th through the 11th in Amarillo, Texas. Learn about the diversity of Texas agriculture in the Amarillo area. Develop a network with other young producers across the state. Fellowship with one another and make new friends. Registration is open now. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org to register. The Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Fall Tour. The registration deadline is August 4th. Reserve your spot today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged in Monday's trade. However, we did end up higher on both live and feeder cattle on the close. August live cattle up 32 cents, 136.77. The October up 40 cents, 142.62. While December live cattle were up 35. 148.50. Feeder cattle getting support from a drop in the corn market on Monday. August feeders up a dollar seven, one seventy nine sixty five. September feeders up a dollar fifty five at one eighty three ten. October feeder cattle up a dollar seventy five, one eighty five forty seven. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle at one thirty five here in Texas. That's a buck lower compared to the previous week. Live sales reached as high as 145 in Iowa last week. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up a dollar 26 at 270.50. Select up a dollar 44 at 243.69. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
Texas neighbor, welcome back to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Let's head up to San Saba to Ken Jordan. Ken, you had 2,053 head on Thursday, didn't you? you made a total of the week now for us. We're a little over 5,100 head. Had a group of five steers. We 573 at a buck 89. Dollared out over $1,083 on those. Stocker heifers were steady, except I thought the five to 650 weight heifers, they were probably a full five dollars higher. At 13 heifers weighed 633 in a draft, brought a dollar 55 a pound, right at 980. Getting some of the bigger cattle, I thought the feeder steers and heifers, they were all uh, fully steady. At four heifers, I weighed uh, 721 at buck 43. On those heifers, they dotted out a little over 1,031. I was real pleased to see Packer cows really rebounded today. They were probably 10 to $12 a hundred higher. Top cow at 91, back to where we were pre 4th of July now. I was real glad to see it. So a lot of these Packer cows dotted out definitely 100 to $200 more than what they did here a few weeks ago. Pairs and big cows sold steady up to $100 higher. Very, very strong market. Uh, just a lot of activity, a lot of of interest from all the buyers uh, that are here. Had several new buyers showed up from out of state, too, buying some of the Packer cows and some of these stocker calves going north, too, Larry. Good. How about Monday come Mason? You bet. we got a look, couple different calf groups that I know coming into town. Uh, they'll be good, and I'm sure we'll have some more Packer cows and stocker cows be coming in also. I want to keep in mind, next Thursday, uh, Larry, we got a big special stocker feeder sale uh, that we've got a lot of calves yearns lined up. We also have the opportunity, a uh, real good uh, friend, uh, Buster Welch, who passed away recently. Uh, legendary. I think they're doing the memorial service uh, this Saturday. Uh, he's they're sending down their 200 head Angus cows all start Kevin September 1 bred to really a uh, good Angus bull all his genetics go back to Gardner tell everybody how to get a hold of you once more you bet then give us a call Eric 325-372-5159 we've got some information already up on our website at jordancattle.com Larry. thank you Ken thank you neighbor that's it for walking the pins Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network I'm Larry Marble good day Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower on Monday. August hogs down 20 cents at 120.45. October hogs down 40, 96.82. Glass three milk was mixed. August milk down two cents at 20.39, 100 weight. Big drop in the cotton market on Monday. The one thing that's been keeping cotton prices higher is the hot, dry weather here in Texas. Other than that, there's a lot of negative factors weighing on the market. So traders got word that over the weekend we had rain in the Texas panhandle, and that couldn't hold prices up any further. The other problems that the cotton market is looking at are the continued COVID lockdowns in China, a weaker energy market, and the drop in the grain markets on Monday. Those factors ended up dropping the October contract 284 points to close at $1.29 cents. December cotton down 268 points at 94.06. Corn and wheat both closing lower on Monday, feeling the pressure from the news that Ukrainian ships loaded with grain have left Ukrainian ports. So that grain now coming back onto the world market, and that pressured grain prices on Monday. September corn down nine and a quarter, six oh seven a bushel. December corn down ten and a quarter, six oh nine and three quarters. Both hard and soft wheat closing lower Monday. September Kansas City wheat down eight cents, eight sixty six and a half. September Chicago wheat down seven and a half at eight dollars and a quarter cent. In the energy market, September natural gas was up three cents, eight twenty-six. September crude oil down four seventy-two at ninety-three ninety a barrel. The financial markets narrowly mixed on Monday afternoon. The Dow up three points, thirty-two thousand eight forty-eight. The Nasdaq down nine at twelve thousand three eighty-one, while the S and P was down seven four thousand one twenty-three. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. 
My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.